0: Hounicon. Hounicon.
1: Hounicon. Hanicon. Hounicon. You're listening to Hounicon Podcast, highlighting citizen Podwatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Paige Willett, Nadesh Nakas, Borewadme, and Dow. I'm your host, Paige Willett, CPN Tribal member and employee. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and rate us. In this very special episode, we're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the opening of Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Eagle Aviary this June, which allowed visitors in for the first time Family Reunion Festival weekend in 2012.
2: that's how the eagles say hello to you guys
1: no, for the last decade aviary staff jennifer randell
2: as you guys can tell i can talk about eagles all day and our tribal members are
0: great
1: and Bree dunham
0: they're like our veterans coming home you know and it's it's time for us to take care of them
1: have focused their world and made their lives about taking care of and rehabilitating eagles they have been with the aviary since its formation they were the ones who initially proposed the idea to cpn leadership and along the way, they have overseen every decision, improvement, and hardship. The aviary has incredible stories and achieved some of the world's first in eagle care. And Randell and Dunham talked with Hounicon Podcast about spending their days with one of the Potawatomi's most revered animals.
2: Eagles don't know what Sunday or Christmas is, but that's okay with us. We're, we're just fine sitting here with them on Christmas Day and
1: the two tribal members and sisters moved onto a piece of the nation's land in 2010 to begin the construction process of the aviary.
2: Initially, we, um, the plans were to open with a U.S. Fish and Wildlife grant, and we, we did get turned down the first time we applied, which was devastating but now looking back i'm so glad we did actually we would not have this facility that we have if we hadn't had that year to help gain knowledge about building and what is best for the eagles and the husbandry of their care so um what you guys are setting in is our office and our indoor viewing and we were able to not build only this and our small enclosure but our large 150 foot half round all at the same time which is a lot more cost effective and we're so glad the tribe you know stepped up to do that and it's much better for the eagles anytime we're going to do construction on the property it's going to cause stress to our
0: eagles our resident eagles so um when the chairman realized how close we were he said that he wanted to be able to open for our yearly, uh, festival. And so it was like panic mode, ever all hands on deck. And we managed to managed to get everything in order. I think, uh, two days before we opened, we had no sod out here. Um, so after the chairman came to visit, Um, in came two truckloads, semi-truckloads of sod. What an honor to be able to open during our festival and our family reunion time for our our
2: legislatures and our tribal members. Mm -hmm. And that is really actually the highlight of our year still. We love having the schools come and other tours, but I always love to share with our tribal members what our progress is and how their eagles are doing. And that's why we do this. So literally our 10 year is, our festival this year is literally the 10 year mark. So how exciting
0: we operate under a native religious use permit. And that's such a wide open ended permit because what's important to the Potawatomi might be different for the Zuni and it is, and the Comanche is different. And so, you know, whether that's one Eagle, um, whether it's, you know, the Eagles that we, the number we have, you know, it's really up to whatever that tribe really wants to do. And so you can really tailor that program to yours. And I think that's something that What we started is not where we expected to end up 10 years later, but it's so much more than I ever could have imagined it being. You know, the the eagle really is part of the cosmology of who we are as Potawatomi people, and so, you know, he intervened for us, and I think that it's important that we intervene on their behalf when they're injured.
1: Dunham and Randell never thought they would run an eagle aviary, let alone work in wildlife care and rehabilitation. The two lived in a house with their mother and grandmother. While their lives on a day-to-day basis are extremely fulfilling, their journey began with an unforeseen tragedy. I try to hold
2: my emotions back, but, you know, I'm passionate about what we do here anyway in these Eagles, but you think you have your lives all planned out. We were going to college, and um, we had always been involved with the tribe. You know, mothers are the best people on the planet, so um, we were having a great, great time, and that July we suddenly lost her. We were on a pretty downhill slide. You know we were she was our best friend we didn't know what to do Um, and dealing with our grief we decided to go to eagle watches all the united states Uh, but what sent us on that path and those eagle watches was our tribe when someone walks on that's sometimes why we use eagle feathers to honor that person and they presented our family with an eagle feather and i'd actually never held an eagle feather and it was very powerful to me and they They made sure to express the chairman said this doesn't go with her and we never bury things that are from the sky so he said this stays with you all it was a very healing time outside and we have some experiences with
0: eagles and things that i don't think i could explain and we just set out on eagle watches um, and one thing led to another until we found out she had actually booked um, an eagle watch uh, in in Tahlequah uh, on the Illinois River um, we played there as little kids all in the river had no idea that there were eagles there in the wintertime We really weren't prepared to go but Grandma said no you absolutely have to have to go it's it's just meant to be you know she would be upset with you girls if you don't go
2: It was pretty severe cold weather and we got there ahead of a cold front or cold really bad storm We didn't know we did that but there were eagles everywhere Everywhere we looked, and the and the guide that was helping us kind of go to where they see eagles, he's like, "We've never seen this many eagles." So of course we took it as a sign, you know, and it and it was a sign, but it was because there was this big cold front that pushed them uh, to that part of Oklahoma. And so one evening the sun was setting, this eagle flew over us, and it was just I don't know, I feel like it was mother. It was just one of those aha moments, and. Then decided, we're going to do something outdoors. I tell our young people now how incredible it is that we see these eagles flying around us. Because when I was young, there were no eagles around us in Oklahoma. In many states, there were no eagles. So to hear they were having to put eagles' lives, you know, eagles were losing their lives, we thought, why is this happening? And it was literally because there were not enough placement. And so as the population grows, we have more get injured. And
1: the two decided to take a chance. They spoke with other tribal aviaries across the state and country and asked them how they funded and set up their aviaries. After working on a proposal, they presented their idea to CPN Chairman John Rocky Barrett and Vice Chairman Linda Capps.
2: Everyone told us we would get a no first and you have to keep trying. Well, we get through this presentation I will just never forget being in that room. And the chairman leaned back in his chair and he said, I've heard of these aviaries, you go find out how we have one. And we thought, uh, what do we do now? <laughs> we, we didn't know we were gonna get a yes. And, and of course, uh, as the chairman does, he had a vision of the future. And so we set out to see what it takes to, for you to have a tribal aviary. Um, one thing led to another, and you know you have to go through these tests. The first thing was that we had to go in the enclosure with the eagles,
0: which was the biggest test I've had since we've started this. We maintain everything inside the gate, and it's simply because we've always tried to give them their space. Um, even when we come clean in the morning, we try to give them from that like seven to nine, and we don't disrupt them a certain time of day. And you know in the summertime when it's hot, you know, so we work around their schedule. That's always been one of the hard things to kind of navigate this time of year we feed in the evenings When about five o'clock they're looking for their food i mean they
2: know we have a sprinkler system a mister system that comes on the summer because summer heat is a bigger concern they love the winter but literally it comes on about 12 30 every day and once we get into about you know at 90 degrees and they will go about noon and start sitting in front of it they all have their own name and personality and favorite thing to eat uh favorite place to bathe and perch so it's uh it's really surprising how much they know and get on a routine.
0: But they're all so different. They're all just like people. Um, everybody always says, well, you know, they're all bald eagles. They all look alike. You know, they all have a you know, white head once they're an adult. And so, yeah, but aside from their injury, if you could spend, a, you know, a few days here with them and really watch them, you would tell the difference really easy.
2: We've actually really learned how to live in seasons here. Um, every season's a little different with these Eagles. And you, it took us, I mean, it took me a couple of years to get out of that nine to five rhythm. You know, I don't really don't know when I get off work or when I go to work a lot of times, and I'm okay with that, but it's sort of like the old ways. I mean, winter time is a time to get caught up on Feather Request and kind of like we would do craft work in the winter and we kind of let them be peaceful and we, they eat more in the winter because it's cold. And then summer is a time for, you know,
1: work. After a lot of hard work, including approval from the Federal Fish and Wildlife Service and construction of specialized habitats for bald eagles, they opened in 2012 with eight eagles under their care.
2: The chairman respectfully says they're spoiled because, you know, out in the wild, bald eagles eat mainly fish, but they will choose that quail that they get fed over everything else, and it's restaurant-quality quail. So we do take the best care we can of these CPN eagles, and that's the way it should be.
1: Now they also run CPN's feather repository collecting the feathers molted by the eagles each year.
2: When we when we are able to handle these naturally molted feathers to our tribal members or other family, it's super important because that feather changed our entire lives. So whether you need that feather to pray with or or whether that maybe that does change your life, it's very powerful. And that was one of the things our tribal leaders especially the chairman he wanted our tribal members to be able to have access. Um, but it is truly a blessing to be able to, to give that back, to be able to give that to our tribal members. So
0: honestly, I, I would have to say the biggest thing is for me, um, it's just an overall sense of getting out of our way and letting these eagles, letting that energy and letting that, um, that connectedness, um, kind of just, just do its own thing. Um, The healing aspect of these birds um, is just really incredible. Um, There's been instances where we have had a tribal member, um, you know, come and say, I I wasn't going to visit, but yeah, you know, I had something happen in my family, but I'm going to go ahead and come. And, you know, then, Taken to the side, I need a feather for this or that. And then that feather ended up being from a bird that had cancer and they just lost their grandfather to cancer. And we had no way of knowing and putting those two things together. And then to find out months later that that feather was gifted to someone else that needed it. And it turns out she had breast cancer. And so it's like none of that was known beforehand. And it's like to see the creator work in those ways and do those things has really been just kind of miraculous to be able to sit back and see those things and just be a part of just even just a side observer so fulfilling aside from just being able to save these guys lives
2: i don't ever come out here and just like oh i've got a feather request to feel and grab a feather out the door and send it off in the mail that's not what we do um many times it's about 10 or 11 o'clock at night or we early as in the morning hours because i need to let those feathers speak to me and so when we sit down with the application and I maybe call that tribal member or I know that tribal member. Then I sit down with these feathers. And as she said, so many times the feathers we choose and then the birds they come from have this incredible connection that we had no way of knowing. But then we talked to the tribal member a couple of years later or something. And we're just like, oh, my gosh, you know, that eagle came from that state or, or whatever. We don't take credit for any of this. Um, it is these eagles. And we're just okay. lucky enough to be here.
1: The aviary is open for tours by schedule, and Dunham and Rendell frequently attend community events to share their knowledge about bald eagles and welcome schools for aviary visits.
2: Anna Silver, good job. What are you going to do around the waterways, the lakes, and the rivers? What are you going to do there? Take the trash out. Keep the fishing lines out of the water. Very, very good. You guys are going to do great. And also, I want to tell you, I knew when we opened that I wanted to involve our community, and it would be a huge outreach, but. I wasn't expecting the kind of response we would have. The community around us and even out far reaching in Oklahoma has been tremendous. To have people come here and be able to understand our cultural and religious ways a little better. Everyone holds that eagle highly. Everyone respects the eagle. So we can share with them a little bit more about our tribe than what the general public sees. To be able to just kind of sit down with people and let them sit in front of an eagle and share our cultural ways. And it really has been eye opening for people. And you see almost their whole body language change. And so I hope we're able to give people that connection with our tribe that live all around us, and go to all of our enterprises, that they have a little more connection to our roots. And so that has been a real blessing for me and and just our tribal members. I mean, how how humbling it has been for tribal members to come here and pray with these eagles and cry with me, because you can see I'm pretty emotional because it's 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 really powerful. Um, you know, the, we have tribal members that come and bring their feather and pray with that eagle that their feather came from. Um. You know, you don't really
1: get any more traditional than that. They always enjoy taking in new residents when possible.
0: And Dunham said most of the time,
1: those without names name themselves you
0: know, you, you get to know a person and we've had several birds like, um, Ogie, um, Ogie McQuay, McTuckwick, which a uh, queen of the woods, you know, but she named herself pretty much the day she got here. The rehabber assured us that she was this sweet bird, um, that she needed a home, which she did. And the rehabber, she may have been different in, in an environment where she wasn't with other birds. But when we introduced her into this enclosure, um, if someone had food, she took it away from him. If she wanted it, if there was a perch she wanted to sit on, she took it, you know, knocked somebody off of it, not, not, Not necessarily too aggressively, but it's like the queen sits where the queen wants to sit. And so, you know, that was just almost kind of an immediate thing. She's, you know, she rules the roost, so to speak. And, um, you know, so that sometimes their names are really clear. And then sometimes it takes a little bit to come to us.
1: One of the aviary's most well-known birds, Wadase Zabwe, was also the first bald eagle they released back into the wild.
2: Um, But Wadase Zabwe means brave breakthrough in our language. And it really means you went through something really hard and came out stronger on the other side. So an eagle doesn't get that white head and white tail until it's about five or six years old. And we were lucky enough to see her go through that whole transition right here in the aviary grounds. She came to us originally as one of our first eight eagles when we opened. And she was um, for the Florida Audubon Society. Wing tip fracture, missing wing feathers and deemed non-releasable. And she basically rehabbed herself. She was a little bit ornery as juveniles are, just like our young people. And she was very curious when you would go in the enclosure and clean and had to kind of keep your eye on her, but I always loved it. I actually still miss her to this day because she would hop right over next to you and be like, what are you doing scrubbing that rock? You know, I mean, she was definitely had a big presence and she was a big girl. Um, She was about 13, 14 pounds but she was doing figure eights in the enclosure one morning and she never quit. And we decided, I think she's okay. She's healed up. So after some conversation with fish and wildlife, um, and the help with our cultural center and even the chairman kind of writing letters that we need to, uh, culturally, uh, we need to get this eagle back out there. We did get special permission to release her back to the wilds. So that was the uh, first aviary Native American aviary that released an eagle with backpack telemetry on her and banded. We, we really wanted to make sure that if we were going to let her go out in that big world, that she was going to survive. Okay. So we released April 16th in 2013, Mm -hmm. like clockwork, whether maybe she knew winter was coming. Once she quit coming here often, like that first year or two, it was every September.
0: Um, usually when that first kind of cold starts coming in before winter, she would show up. Um, the territory that we have her most concentrated points in in the wintertime is down on the Ouachita River, um, actually just a little uh, northwest of Chickasha where we used to live, so it's very interesting that she's <laughs> out that way.
2: <laughs> but the telemetry was supposed to stay on her about six months. It is, it is made to wear off eventually. The thread will break down and it comes off. Wadasi had other plans. She apparently did not mind her little backpack at all, and she wore that for about seven and a half years. So, she broke records on uh, a bald eagle wearing that kind of device uh, for that long. And the mountains of papers and documentation we have of her is just fantastic. You know, I mentioned she was from Florida, and they said she's going to go right back to Florida. You know, she's young. Wherever they see the stars first is where they go back to. And everyone kind of laughed at us because we were kind of the new ones, and that was okay. I was like, you know, I still want to release her here. And if she goes back to Florida, okay. Well, she's never left Oklahoma. Um, We still see her from time to time. For her to choose to come back here and she can go anywhere she wants is truly a blessing. That let us know she had a good life while she was here.
1: One of the biggest requirements eagles can have is a space to nest, which happens in the winter. The CPN Eagle Aviary has a resident pair who have nested annually since 2013, Kyla and Charlie. We introduced
2: Kyla, which is our mother eagle. So the biggest eagle we have on the property now, uh, pushing 14 pounds, and little Charlie. Uh, Charlie came in with that name, and, and Kyla's actually from Kyla, Montana, but we also call Charlie Nervous Man because he was always so nervous. We were worried that he would not be okay in this in this environment. Like, do we need to separate him? Because he was always kind of running around and nervous when people would look through the window and things. And then Kyla came about two months after we, opened, we got called by Fish and Wildlife that there were some eagles in a really bad place. They needed placement really fast. So we drove to Montana to get Kyla, and we did from the day we introduced Kyla in this enclosure, little Charlie, which is about five pounds, uh, followed her around from the day we put her in there. So she came to us um, September ish 2012, mm-hmm. and um, he never left her side. Now she really didn't want anything to do with him when we put her when we put her in, uh, her in there. She didn't really know what was going on. She actually had to learn to be an eagle again. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a really hard beginning. Um, this rehabilitator wanted to keep her. She had very good intentions, but she had no place to keep her, and no permit. So Kyla stayed in a pet kennel, a big, large dog kennel for about the first two years of her life. So when she came here, um, she was in really bad shape. Her feathers were rubbed off the back of her wings. She wouldn't eat whole food. We finally got her to where um, she kind of knew she was an eagle again. That running water really helped when she would splash water out of the enclosure when she got in it. And uh, Charlie helped her too. Um, He was an elder, uh, older male eagle, and like I said, he stayed with her. She yelled at him right in his face, but she he stayed right by her side. He would go to the water's edge while she bathes, he would watch her eat and clean up after her. And then that winter, um, they started tearing down, the, we have trees and all kinds of natural things in our, in our enclosures, they just started tearing down a tree. We're like, what are they doing here? You know, we had never had an eagle do that, and never even seen that in captivity. And it's, pr- it's pretty unusual, and they just tore down a tree and started nesting right here in front of our viewing window, under luckily under the cover. So it's a perfect place for a nest, and they have been doing that now um, ever since. When they start nesting, which she lays later than our Oklahoma birds, she lays about March. Oklahoma birds lay about December, beginning of January. Everything, Pretty much everything stops around here. We don't have a lot of traffic. If there's any construction, it stops. Uh, no mowing, weed-eating, noise that would disrupt them. So we literally kind of plan our day-to-day or our month-to-month depending on them (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so we saw kyla come full circle we saw our layer very first eggs of her whole life here and we never really thought they would have a fertile egg because of just the challenges of their injuries um they do not mate in flight they do a mating ritual in flight though and then um, like i said there's also some challenges because neither one of them are flighted they both have a pretty significant wing injury and so just that um act of mating we didn't think there would be a fertile egg Still, they're building a nest and laying eggs. I mean, that was just incredible because that meant they were happy enough and comfortable enough with people coming right here. I mean, four feet, well, three feet from their nest. And that was fantastic for our our visitors and our tribal members to get to see that. And so she laid eggs for a few years and we didn't have too many problems. And I think it was that fourth year, you know, it takes about 35 to 36 days for an eagle egg to hatch. And usually she would just kind of get up because they wouldn't hatch and be, be fine. Well, that year she was not okay. She kept bringing food to the eggs that hadn't hatched. And we thought, what is going on? I guess instincts just finally kicked in. And so then we had a little problem because our, our goal here is to have a good life for him here. And she was not eating. You actually see she was depressed, if you could say that about an eagle. Um, the, uh, the Comanche aviary had a little tawny eagle chick. And so they were able to foster that chick. And it was a beautiful, beautiful, uh, well, that, that's the second world's first is mm-hmm. a bald eagle has never fostered a tawny eagle chick in, we in the history of. that we know <laughs> of in the history of anything. Um, because the tawny eagles, um, you know, they're not from this area. They're an exotic species, but their numbers and their habitat are getting threatened. The tawny parents would not take care of the baby. So we gave it to our eagles and they did a fabulous job. Uh, He was the most healthy little eagle you've ever seen. A tawny eagle is much smaller. So he's more like the size of a big red-tailed hawk than an eagle. But they did not care. They did beautiful. And it was just an incredible thing to see. And so that tawny eagle uh, went to um, natural encounters in Florida. And the idea is hopefully that tawny eagle will be put with a female. He's a male. And that maybe at some point in the next five years or so that their young can actually be released back to the wild in Africa Um, in 2017. We were ready to go get another foster chick and we were actually gonna get a sea eagle, we thought, which was really exciting. But what was more exciting is we have a great camera systems around here to help us monitor the eagles. And we looked at the camera before we left that morning. And both mom and dad were standing up in the nest, looking down like they were just as surprised as we were. And one of their eggs hatched. Um, it was the smallest little baby eagle you've ever seen. Um, we have to let Fish wildlife know about all this. Consulted with many experts and they said, this eaglet is so small, there's just no way he's gonna survive the night. You know, it doesn't look good. I mean, he, I can't even tell you how small he was you know a bald eagle once it hatches out should be about the size of a softball when it's all fluffy i mean they're they're not little they're they're pretty good size and this guy was maybe a little bigger than a golf ball just fluffy i mean he was so small and he made it through the night just fine and he actually outgrew his dad at about nine nine weeks old he was a big guy a big young man and let me tell you how hard it was not to go in there and pick up that little baby, baby, baby fluffy eagle. But we didn't. We let mom and dad do all the work. As long as there was nothing in distress, we let them take care of that eaglet and made sure he imprinted on them and knew he was an eagle. Because our, our you know, plan was to release him. Back to the wild, as I mentioned, we believe these eagles are our, you know, messengers, the Creator. So... Um, we were able to get permission to release him back to the wild, and of course we fitted him with the exact same telemetry device. Um, he was very strong-headed eagle, and the chairman gave him the name uh, Makokono, which is bear eagle. His egg was laid on the bear moon, and he actually went all the way to Nebraska. He went through Kansas and said hi to our other tribal members, and then went all the way to Nebraska, almost to the Platte River in the first two weeks. And so we thought, oh my gosh, you know, but that kind of showed us the the difference between a rehabilitated eagle, which was with Ase, and then a fully healthy, best food, never miss, missed a meal, you know, eagle, and uh, I have no doubt he's still doing incredible.
1: While triumphs largely comprise the aviary story, there have been hardships as well. Randell and Dunham cared for Mayana Bay, a glove trained seven and a half pound golden eagle who provided an educational and more interactive experience for visitors and the larger community. Randell called him one of the highlights of the last decade. But this
2: eagle had a calmness about him. That I don't know that we'll ever see again.
1: And many, many
2: of our tribal members um, were able to meet Miana Bay. Bay means, in our language, that he kind of he sees poorly or he has an impaired vision, and that was partly part of his injury. He came to us with lead poisoning. Do not use lead ammunition. If you do, please clean up after yourself. He traveled all over Oklahoma, even went to Kansas to see tribal members, and he loved to get in the van and go. I mean, he was just amazing. He made it very easy. I would have thought that he would outlive us. They can live 40 to 50 years. And I kept thinking, you know, maybe, maybe someone will take over and take care of him. Well, 2019 and 20 were hard years for, I think, all of us. But to January 2019, he walked on. And he did that because of his initial lead poisoning. You know, and that's our fault. That's the thing people did. And so I, I learned the other day, I did a presentation. I haven't talked about him yet. And so I can't talk about him yet without doing this. He was quite the presence and I've had many people reach out to us.
0: The thing about it is, is I, I, you know, I handled him. I can't even tell you how many hours I I have with him on the glove. I mean, I take for granted, you know, just getting up every morning and, you know, him being here and walking around the property and just, just how much time we spent together. And and he was just always so laid back. He, He never, never really took issue with any of that. I had a really hard time with that. I mean, you get close to somebody, you share something with that, but that bond with a person and an eagle, I mean, you have to think that's an apex predator, even if he is injured. Um, it, it's just, there's something different about that relationship. Uh, the pandemic was really hard on all of us, but we have to think about how many of our tribal members walked on and lost loved ones during that time. And to think that he stood at the Western door to greet our tribal members as they made that journey. It finally put me in a little bit of peace with like, you know, why out of all these eagles would you, you know, he would not, you would not have guessed that there was anything wrong with him. But that's the way COVID was too. Some people could have it and be the epitome of health and and not make it. And so, you know, it's kind of a reminder that, you know, today is today and that's the present and that's just what we have. He came here in 2014 and it was pretty great. When you met Miyanabe, it's like I don't know. He, it's like he
2: knew when people needed something. We had people that came pray with him, and you know, Miyanabe yeah. was a was a a, a good sized male eagle, and and so you never really want people touching their feet and kind of. I mean, you could lay hands on his back and pray. He, you know, we were okay with that, but you know, you never know. He's still a wild animal, so this elder came to us, and he was he was in a he had sat on his little walker, and he his, was he was in his last days. Yes. Um, and his grandson wanted him to come here, and, and actually he came here on Christmas Day. We said, absolutely. And so he came here and that elder took his hands and ran up under
0: Miyanabe's wings, almost like hugging him. And we were, were just they, they were beak to nose. And that little man was looking right in his face. And of course, I have Miyana Bay on the glove. I was knelt down beside his walker and I can sense the tension. Like if if Bay was to get upset or something made him anxious, I would feel that in his feet. He would grip tighter. Um He never changed position. I mean, he never shifted his feet, anything. He sat so incredibly still. Um, But the little gentleman, um, he was Cheyenne Arapaho, and he prayed with Miyana Bay for uh, what seemed like forever. But Miyana Bay never once ruffled his feathers or moved. It was really incredible.
1: In total, 14 eagles currently reside at the aviary, 12 bald eagles, and two golden eagles. However, a Harris's hawk and an auger buzzard named Nikon, or friend, also called the grounds home. And Buzzard and Hawk
2: kind of mean the same thing. When I say buzzer, people always think of the vultures, but he's an adorable, small black and white hawk with the same sort of red tail as our red tailed hawks. So everyone, I encourage them to come see him because he is just adorable and he actually loves the attention. So he's he's been raised for conservation purposes. We can help spread the word that we we don't shoot things from the sky and so um, he's really great to take to schools and try to educate our young people that we want these, these uh, hawks around us and that they're not causing any problems uh, with your livestock and things like that.
1: He will actually pose with a camera. So, Throughout the years, as the land around the aviary has been restored, maintained, and become welcoming for all kinds of wildlife, Randell and Dunham have helped take care of many different types of animals and non-human relatives.
2: What we have accomplished here between the tribe helping cleaning up this property and we have the monarch outreach and just what the tribe in our environmental department everything has done with the creek line we have river otters that we have on our camera at the uh-huh. gate and we have muskrat in squirrel Creek now that we did not have when we moved in here mm-hmm. so even not just about just the Eagles living here but the the whole Uh, the chairman calls us a sanctuary. I think that's a great word for it because we do have this little corridor right here in the middle of town of wildlife. And he chose this location and it couldn't be any better because these eagles get to see 30 deer walk by in the evening and eagles fly over and we have a a heron roost right over here. So just incredible the the wildlife we've seen come since we've been here in the last uh, 10, 12 years. So river otters, uh, yeah, they're they're on the top of my favorite thing anyway <laughs> but you know they really really were dwindling in numbers. We're working on a beautiful front facade that would be, you know, a permanent nice entrance. Um, and the driveway has moved a little bit. They've put a new bridge in at the road where you come in the aviary. We actually have a new sign. We, we actually live on aviary lane now. So that's really neat. And so we do have some things in transition and our hope is, just to close in this back area, but eventually, and hopefully by next festival really hoping that will happen. I think it can, where we'll be able to take people through to the backyard into a courtyard with maybe some of our other tethered birds, um, Um, and to give people a better place to come see our birds a little bit more of a tour. And and then hopefully the future holds maybe a pond in the past, we've talked about a pond, that'd be really great for fresh fish for the eagles. And then eventually really we would like to focus on some more rehab and release in the future. Um, We are very humbled and I'm very grateful that the tribe did step up and our tribal leaders, that we have this kind of facility and that we're able to share it with our community and that this is there for our tribal members because this is what it's for. This is for our people.
1: For more information about the Citizen Potawatomi Nation Eagle Aviary, including tours, contact information, eagle biographies, and feather request applications, visit cpn.news aviary. <music> Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Our director is Jennifer Bell. Please share the show with your friends and family members. You can find CPN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potawatomi. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at potawatomi.org. That's p-o-t-a-w-a-t-o-m-i.org. Makwachniganek, bamamina. Thank you, friends. See you later.